You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. My guest today is incredible and I I can't wait to get to him and I seriously want to skip the sponsorship uh, message and I hope you don't fall asleep while I'm talking, but we can't do that. So I have to give a shout out today to our wonderful parent company, SickBiz Incorporated and the launch of their affordable business coaching. Pretty cool. The SickBiz module courses are now available. These are the eight models that give you the secret for starting and keeping your business, getting it up and running, making sure that you last in the long term. These are road tested and hard won tactics. They're strategies I employ every single day to change my life. And let me tell you what, I made all the mistakes for you. You got it. If you know me, you know that I'm driving again because I can afford greater and more effective treatment. You know that I have a new-to-me Jeep. You know that we moved this year after renting for six years. So I'm not the groundbreaking coach out there that's going to pose by the jet and all that other BS which most of those are rented, by the way, just saying. What I'm trying to say is that your lifestyle can change when you apply these tactics. More importantly, you can change your health by opening up options to yourself. All can change for the better. And how about this? You can stop worrying about money. You can stop worrying about business coming in the door. I'm not selling you some janky leads. I'm proof. That's why I started SickBiz, to help you do the very same. You don't need to work as hard. That sounds bad, but you just need to work a little bit, I guess we'll say smarter, even though I don't like that turn of phrase either. It's time to turn the hustle mentality on its head and embrace the anti-hustle through these sick biz module courses. To learn more about these courses, check us out in the sick biz Facebook group and we'll give you more information. My guest today is so long overdue. I say that with a big smile on my face. Because in life, the people that you're meant to connect with, they still kind of pass you by. But if it's a true connection, you will find each other again. Drew Lensalata is one of those people. We first crossed paths when I learned he was writing. And then he went on to check out other editors. And I think that is just fine. I was not offended at all. Everybody has a right to do that. And so I encourage you to do that. I just thought it was kind of funny. Anyways, we found our way back to each other. And in the interim, when we weren't talking, I started getting involved in his Facebook group dedicated to dissecting and understanding anxiety at the root. The name of the game, or in this case, the group, is called the Anxiety Recovery Forum. As a person who has struggled with anxiety attacks since I've been in my teens, I wanted answers. I wanted to know if Drew knew what he was talking about. And what I found out is that he does. He has done so much incredible research and work into the multitude of factors that cause panic attacks. And all he wanted to do was share it with an audience so they could feel better, just like him. His approach to unraveling anxiety doesn't center around eradicating it from your life, amazingly. I never would have thought that. But understanding it, respecting it, and living with it. His message is so much better heard coming from him. So without further ado, please meet my amazing, motivated, and techno-wizard friend, Drew Linsalata. <laughs> you are killing me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you an editor? Are you like, you or should be in the middle of a circus with that. It was excellent. I would listen to the sponsorship again. It was that good. <laughs> oh, you are the sweetest. You're just, I'm so glad you're here. Yes, this is awesome. I'm loving it. Oh my God, I am too. It's just absolutely fabulous. So let's familiarize our listeners with you. You have a lot of irons in the fire. And you're working on so much. You have so many messages that you're bringing to the world. And amazingly, you've also tapped into exploding your own podcast audience. We want to hear all about it all. So when did it start for you? Like, How did you get to today? <clears throat> How did I get to today? Okay, well, 
I mean, I, I, you said very nice things about me. And I, first of all, I appreciate that. I, I thank you for that. It was very sweet. I got there where I am now. Well, let me tell you where I am now. So the podcast is five years old, The Anxious Truth. Mm-hmm. And I just started it on a whim in 2015. And now I just surpassed half a million downloads. And all of my episodes are now getting, you know, five to 10,000 listens in the first 30 days. I'm amazed. Wow. Never in a million years that I think this would happen. So the, the community around it, which you're a part of, and I'm super happy about that, as you can see, is very large, it's vibrant, it's growing on Facebook, on Instagram. And it, I never expected it to be this, this big, to be honest with you, and growing the way it is. And then there's the two books that we're working on together and all that stuff. But I got here because I was those people that I'm trying to reach. So yeah. back when I was, we have a similar story, I think, Kel. So I was 19 or almost 20, home mm-hmm. for spring break in 1986. And I had my first panic attack. And so that led me through three different periods of my life where I was pretty crippled with the whole anxiety attack, afraid of the next one, afraid to leave the house, afraid to be alone thing. There was times of real deep clinical depression that came with that, which it does for a lot of people that deal with anxiety. And three different times in my life, I had to go through that until the last time was in 2008 when I kind of got my act together and did the stuff that I knew I really had to do. And that's when everything changed. And when I got through all of that and everything changed, I just felt like I had gotten so much help from people along the way because of this, this invention. Thank you, Al Gore, the internet. Like <laughs> I, met, I decided like, well, I should probably at some point start to pay this back. And I had in different forms and different forums and admitting Facebook groups, Facebook groups and things like that. But one night I just decided I should have a podcast. And so I just sat in my living room and started talking into my phone. And that led to this over five years, like almost 100 episodes, many, many hours of this and thousands of people. And so I lived it and I, I made it a point to get educated about it. And I, and I have lived all of the things that I talk about. And I think that's what resonates with people. I, I'm not just academic about it. I, I actually lived it and solved this problem. And, and I watch people solve it every day now. It's, it's amazing. I love it. So you're seeing people solve their anxiety. They're actually solving it, getting it to a point. And like you talked about, well, offline, mm-hmm. not eradicating it from your life, but living with it. Is, it. is it like taking a bear and shrinking it into a mouse? It's uh, the ba- Okay, so when we talk about anxiety, what I'm always talking about is I'm usually addressing an anxiety disorder. So that's things like panic disorder, agoraphobia, monophobia. And what has come along for the bride is people with health anxiety and people with social anxiety sort of latched on too. And so they're part of the, the, the tribe as well. We're talking about the kind of anxiety where you start to modify your life to avoid it. That's mm-hmm. always what I'm addressing, right? So the solution to that is not to try and make it go away. It, the, the solution to that is to understand that when you've gotten to the point where you are modifying your life to avoid anxiety because you're afraid of how it feels, you don't yeah. like the sensations, you don't like the fear, you don't like the thoughts that come with it, and you start to like shrink your world because of avoidance and safety behaviors, then there's a way we can solve that problem, which is to learn through experience that you don't have to be afraid of feeling that way. So it's very counterintuitive on a lot of people. When you say you learn to live with it, I would want to modify that. Like people would be horrified. What do you mean? I have to just deal with this for the rest of my life? No. First you learn to live with it and learn not to be afraid of it. And then magically it starts to go away. But first you have to learn to not be afraid of it. So when, so you're still going to get them. This, yes. Because some of us are just predisposed to them and we don't even know why. Like you can just have the greatest day ever to be like, oh, I'm on top of the world. And then yeah. wham. And it, and you know, and that feeling just rolls mm-hmm. over you and, yep. and you can't even pinpoint why did this happen? Correct. So you're not saying that is not going to go away, but your reception of it is going to change. Correct. So when somebody's going to have a panic attack, which I'm guessing many of your listeners have probably have experience with, and believe me, I've had many of them in my life mm-hmm. and I can still once in a while have it's an indicator for me that I'm a little bit sleep deprived. I'm running myself a little ragged. So I, I, I can have it happen. But when you have a panic attack, what you will do is nothing. So most mm. people develop an elaborate set of, you know, escape behaviors and rituals and safety rituals. And I got to go for my oils and I have to chant and I have to do this and I have to breathe a special way and be in my bedroom with my, my thunder blanket on. And, and I'm not taking that away from anybody, but those are all safety behaviors that tell your fear center in your brain 
that this is something that you need to respond to to be safe. But when you do nothing, you could do something and it will end, or you could do nothing and it will end. And when you do nothing, it will end faster. And the experience mm. you've given your fear center is that, oh, I did nothing and it went away. So are you stacking up different information to feed your brain? No. Because <laughs> I know. So smart I, right there. <laughs> no, no. And, and so and this, and this is, I know a lot of people listening are like, this sounds insane and it's very counterintuitive. But okay. I, before I answer the question, I want to make sure that everybody is aware. I didn't invent any of this. Like this okay. is, this is all based on principles of cognitive behavioral therapy and its variants. This works. We know through research, it's the most effective way to treat an anxiety disorder that there is, including medication, to be honest with you. Mm. So this is, this is not something I invented. I didn't make this up. I don't take any credit for this. I'm just a messenger here. So you're not stacking information in your brain because in it, when you get into that fearful state, by nature, it's irrational. Mm. And your fear center does not understand words. It just doesn't. It doesn't reason. It doesn't listen to language. You could try and call it. It's not only not going to pick up the phone, it doesn't even own one. Mm. So when you make the mistake of trying to convince yourself that you're okay, I'm okay, I got this, I'm strong, all things will pass, this too shall pass, it's good, I'm, I'm a warrior, you are basically arguing with a, a beast that does not listen. It's not hearing you. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you have to learn to just not argue with it. All right, I'm panicking now, and if I do nothing, I will be really afraid and uncomfortable for about eight or nine minutes, and then it will start to go away. That's all you need to know. What is what is the eight or nine minutes? Is that like a clinical thing? It varies from person to person. Okay. Mine, if I have one, I'm just so good at it because I've done it for so many years. Yeah. I, I'm at an eight or nine minute, you know, it starts to subside. And, and you know, because you have them, you know the feeling when you're like, okay, it's starting to subside now. You know that, yes. that moment, right? Right. It's the best feeling. It's the best that feeling, feeling right? Seriously, that feeling is better than after coitus. That feel, it's, I'm not even, It's a good feeling. It, it is, is a good feeling. It's better but, than like German chocolate cake with all kinds of pudding. I mean, it, it literally, and everybody listening is going, oh yeah, man, I totally get it. So I, I see how you put the cake on top of the other thing. <laughs> I see where your priorities are. <laughs> That's how my mind works. That's it's all right, scary yeah. in there. Watch out. Don't but trip but on the, eight, the eight or nine minutes for me to, to, to finish that answer really quickly is that's not a, a it's not set in stone. But adrenaline is self look under the under the hood, there's body things happening. That is true. Yeah. So this is not a body problem, but it, it expresses in your body. Of nobody denies that. So all that body stuff is all based on, you know, that adrenaline dump. And once it happens, it happens. You cannot, like, get it back into your adrenal glands. It's in your bloodstream. It has to run its course. And left to its own devices without adding extra fear to it and freak out to it, it will run its course much more quickly than anybody really thinks. So when people get good at this stuff, like you see people doing it in my group, they're yeah. blown away by like, holy crap, like under 10 minutes, I was pretty much done and out the other side. And I don't oh. feel nearly as bad as when I like fought my way through for a half hour. God, it's exhausting too. And you literally, okay, so, so follow me on this weird and windy road then. Is anxiety any type of pent-up energy if it's an adrenaline dump? Why can't I just go outside and run a half a mile? You could. By, from a physiological standpoint, you could. But the issue with that is there is naturally a physiological thing. And when there's an adrenaline dump, you could theoretically go out and run to try and burn it off. And some people develop very elaborate rituals around that. Mm. I, I know of people who will literally, no matter where they are, drop and start doing push-ups because they think this will get rid of it. Mm. And it might on a physical wow. level, but you're also saying to yourself, I that act says to your fear center, I must do something to stop this now, right. which is intuitive. That, that's the natural thing that you want to do. But that essentially teaches you your fear center the lesson that this is a thing that must be avoided and stopped. But what you must learn to be free from it is it doesn't have to be avoided and stopped. Let it happen. And when you can do that, curiously, it starts happening less and less because so, so much of it is the apprehension of the next one. So we're almost afraid to let it happen. We're almost more afraid yep. of letting it happen than yep. it actually happening. Correct. That's true. Because you, you have built a ton of scenarios as to what will happen if you let go. I use the term surrender, which some people get really afraid of. Like mm -hmm. in that moment, and everybody has their own personal panic experience that they build in their head. So most people are afraid of that they're dying 
or going insane. Those are the top two fears reported globally. Mm-hmm. And so, or I'm going to pass out, or I'm going to make a fool of myself, or I'll embarrass myself, all of those things. So surrender is, okay, let that happen. So like, go ahead, die. Let it, let it kill you. Let it go ahead and die. I said, so my fear is that I will shit my pants. So okay. if I'm out in public, so just, just go ahead. Go ahead. And you know why? You won't. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, I mean, I, you don't have to answer that question. <laughs> it's very personal. <laughs> but, but th- so uh, let's use a, a different example. Day once. Whatever. All right. Hey, look, we've all been there. We don't, this is non-judgment zone here. Um, you know, you eat a little something. But I, I think in the end, like, let's pick another example. A common thing is it feels like I'm going to pass out. Or right? yeah. I'm so dizzy. It feels like I'm going to pass out. Or I can't so breathe. I, right. If, no, no. You can breathe. It feels like I can't breathe. Feels it feels nice. like I can't breathe. It feels like I'm going to pass out. It feels like I'm going to go crazy. It feels like I'm dying. So in the end, you have to unmask that the fact that feels like isn't isn't is. Feels like is not equal to is. Feelings are liars. Feelings, especially especially irrational feelings driven by fear. Yeah, they're they are liars in a way. What it feels like. So when I say go ahead and die, I'm not. You won't. That's the thing. But yeah. but in your head, you are resigned to like, all right, here comes the grim reaper. I'm going to let him come get me. <laughs> And that, but then he doesn't, and after, after that happens a few times, your brain finally, that lizard brain, finally gets the message like, oh, I guess we don't have to run. He's not really there. Why, why are our lizard brains so stubborn, though? Why, why can't we stop? It, it seems like that is coming from some prehistoric level, some very, very fundamental programming that's trying to keep us safe, and it is so hard to reprogram that. It is bad design, and like it's good design. Like when there's a hungry bear chasing you, it's spectacular design. It works really well. <laughs> but you know, when you're in the supermarket in the frozen food section, and you start to get the dizzy feeling, and your world gets turned upside down, then it's bad design. Yeah. And I was talking about this the other day with a friend of mine. There's there's a lot of research now. Like functional MRI is one of the coolest things we've ever invented. So you put somebody in an MRI machine, and you let them look at pictures and experience different things, and you can see what parts of the brain are lit up. And what we've discovered is that negative thinking seems to start to be centered in the amygdala, like that lower lizard brain that's responsible for safety and fear and that sort of stuff. That's terrible design. Awful. Awful. And like you would think that hopefully in another two million years, maybe natural selection will fix that for us. So I'm going to wait around. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to come back. I'm going to be yeah, like, cool. yo, I'm going to revisit good. again. <laughs> I'm going to go so, raid Kurzweil on this and just hang around. Exactly. So what – So. What have you learned from that? Oh, first of all, take us back to your first anxiety attack. Do you, in looking back, do you think there was any precursor? Was there any predictor? Was there anything going on that launched that? You know, when I tell these stories, what's interesting is I was in the middle of like really good time. When, when that happened the first time. Like that semester I had a 4.0 grade point average and like everything was awesome. Mm-hmm. And the second time it came back, I was in the middle of the first dot-com boom. I was one of those guys and like oh, business yeah. was booming and everything was great and boom, it came back. <laughs> so like it seems to come at, historically it came at good times in my life. So I can't even point to like, oh yeah, I just got through a terrible this or lost people. It wasn't that. So I don't know. I still to this day don't know. This is just me personally. This does not apply to everybody. We're all different. I don't care. Like, I actually don't care why it happens. I don't need to know why it happens because I don't care if it happens. Well, and it doesn't give you any useful information anyways. It doesn't. And in fact, it could give you wrong information if you overanalyzed it and said, well, it seems to be from this. So then you talk about those avoidance behaviors and the keep safe behaviors. I think, you know, it's interesting. Um, this happens with eating disorders. I don't know if you've ever had anybody that uh, kind of connected those two things, but you, it's the same yes. thing. You make rules, you make these, and I can say this because I had an eating disorder, and I still kind of do. I mean, you never mm-hmm. really kick it to the curb fully. You want to kick them out of it. Yeah. But my point is that you, you make these ridiculous rules. Well, if I don't eat, you know, when it's dark out then I'll be safe. Then I'll be, I'll be in control. You know, and the first time I said that to somebody, they were like, oh no, honey, that's not how people think. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. But in your brain, you constructed that and that was real. 
It was. It was totally real. It was like, yes, this is just like that traffic light over there is green. If you don't mm -hmm. eat after dark, like a gremlin, you know, you. It's all good. <laughs> you, it's all good. You're not going to turn into, you know, like an evil reptile. Oh, did you see the connection? Reptile brain eating after dark. Reptilian gremlin. That's a full Genius. circle. Gee, that was worth the price of admission right there for anybody listening. <laughs> That's so I, I, yeah, I think it's you. It's so funny because you're right, and like I do encounter one of the cool things about this is the number of people that I get to interact with and meet and, and become friends with in many instances. So I have seen comorbid, you know, different anxiety disorders that come together. Eating disorders are big. Like a lot of people who are who deal with panic disorder, agoraphobia, at one point in their life or even at the same time have dealt with an anxiety, a, an eating disorder. Or but the rules that you made, like, oh, if I don't eat after dark, it's okay, or you build these crazy rules and you start to live by them irrationally is the same reason why a person with panic disorder refuses to shower until it's so bad that they don't have any choice, and then they shower in a bathing suit with the door to the house unlocked and the bathroom door open so that when the panic comes and, and their phone you know, in the shower with them, yeah. like these crazy, like stacked up rituals so that, well, I can call 911 and, and I won't be naked and they'll be able to get in the house. I know people who don't lock their doors ever who live in major cities where they should lock their doors and they don't because their fear is when I need help from paramedics, which they never need, they can get yeah. in the door then. That is incredible. So you in exploring how mm -hmm. to heal yourself and help other people have heard so many stories and in these justifications for keeping ourselves safe do you think anxiety is getting worse as our society gets older and as we're bombarded with more things more phones more ability to reach you you know more expectations more juggling more multitasking i think what is happening and a, lot, and a lot of people say that, like, oh, anxiety seems to be getting worse. I think we're seeing the fact that people can talk about it and other people hear it. So I think people have always had anxiety issues. We just might hear about them more now. What mm. I think we are seeing is, and, and this is in some ways heartbreaking to me because my audience spans like many generations, right? Right. They're not all as old as, as you and I might be. Some are a little bit older. And then there's many, many, many young people, many. It's actually disturbing to me to a certain extent. And invariably, this, there's always some variation on the theme that says they did not ever learn that some days are not so great. Like, and so bad days, bad moods, breakups, loss of, you know, family members and things like we, these are human things that we all go through. Mm -hmm. And there's an alarming lack of resiliency that seems to be centered around living online. Interesting, where, yeah. Yes, where instead of understanding like, well, I'm, I'm just going to feel really sad because my dog died, unfortunately. That's not okay. So I must find a way to not, and they begin to fear those bad feelings and they will not accept them. And that seems to breed some of this stuff. Avoidance um, is yeah, of, huge. Of anything negative, like, you're, like I'm not allowed, I cannot feel this way. Nobody else feels this way, but, but yeah, they do. Just because yeah. you know, his Instagram account looks like a highlight reel doesn't mean he's not having a bad day. So oh. that's, that's rough. I wish people would understand that. I, I wish people would understand that marriages aren't all infatuation mm -hmm. and, you know, best friendships aren't sometimes riddled with issues that need to be resolved and children don't behave. Like, I'm the first to tell you, man, I'm doing my podcast in bed today because I feel a little iffy. Okay. okay. And so, and, and that's okay, you know, but people see the shiny outer layer like they they see the lacquer you know that that's painted on and they think that's what life is I, I think too um avoidance and i know this is true of eating disorders conflict avoidance mm -hmm. leads to more incidences of having eating disorders being diagnosed with one or whatever and i wonder if the same holds true for anxiety that's super interesting. I, I, I don't think I've ever really looked at that. I, I'll, now I'll see. Now I'll go on a research tear. Yeah. I like. The, I am the behavioral science nerd. I don't just. I don't get my news from like 
Vice or the or HuffPo. I actually yeah. read the papers because like, I like them. But yeah. uh, it's interesting, like conflict avoidance. I know that one of the things that starts to happen is people with anxiety disorders, as they progress and, and, and get worse, and there's a limit, by the way, to how bad they can be. Like there's, mm. there's not an infinite amount of anxiety you can have. But um, many times conflict avoidance is built right into that because the, there's an inability to handle any stressor. Yeah. And every stressor becomes fear. There comes yeah. a tipping point where somebody with an anxiety disorder reacts to everything with fear. Everything. Like happy things, fear. Anger, oh. fear. Disappointment, fear. Yeah, it's it's really difficult for people when they get to that point. Really difficult. It ruins relationships, people that are afraid to be intimate with their partners. Like, why don't, because excitement, fear. Everything becomes fear. You it's, know, what, what does that center around? Is that losing control? What is happening when somebody is afraid to be happy? Is it the other shoe dropping? It's going to all be taken away from them? Is there a little bit of PTSD in there? Like, I'm it, just... It, it could be. It's yeah. possible. And I never want to minimize those things. I mean, look, I, I'm a little bit of a mechanic. I will admit that for me, I'm a mechanic or an engineer when it comes to this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I can tell you, like, sometimes you will have issues like that, you know, fear of happiness or, or PTSD or trauma in your past and got to deal with those things. And they will make you feel badly. My bailiwick is when you start to be afraid of feeling badly. That's yeah. always what I'm addressing. Mm -hmm. The part where you fail badly and you, you interpret it as danger. I must not feel this. Um, so you talked about kids. Now you yeah. talked about this hitting younger and younger ages. You talk about kids experiencing their first anxiety attacks with your listeners and, and mm -hmm. with the people in your group. Yes. Uh, I mean, a lot of times, here's one thing that's, that's tough. And, and I actually wrote about this a lot because it's, it's heartbreaking in a way. And look, there's a lot of things we have to teach people. Like when we were kids, we learned a lot of things. And I'm sure our parents said, why don't they teach them blah, blah, blah. Every generation says that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to sound like get off my lawn guy. But I think in, in a lot of ways, what I'm seeing is like no one ever told them any of this, but they didn't tell us either. So there wasn't a whole lot of mental health information handed to you by your parents or like your eighth grade health teacher, you know. So mm -hmm. they, they have these experiences and they have no idea what it is. Literally none. They do not even know what's happening to them. And then the internet kicks in and they are sent on a wild goose chase, goose chase for a year and a half of oils and supplements and your iron is low. No, you need more sunshine. It's a vitamin D thing. You have adrenal fatigue. I mean, I could, I could just say words to you for the next 45 minutes that, that lead people down these different paths. So they wind up terrified, like confused, lost, and directionless. They have no idea what to do with it. None. Right. That is the worst part. That's the worst part. Well, and, and you don't even know, you don't even know if you go to the specialist or that specialist or, or what they're going to tell you and the physical manifestation of the, of the, the symptoms. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's terrifying sometimes. It is. It's really, it's like, well, this has got to be really serious. Maybe I'm dying. Maybe I have a terminal disease. You know, it, it's just, it, I think there's so much misinformation and there's so much coming at people, but there's no credibility. So That's true. we don't know where to go. Oh, it could be this. Well, it could be that. And then, you know, and then you get your dippy Facebook friends like, well, that was my first sign of cancer. And you're like, you know, you need to shut STFU <laughs> right <Yes>. now. <laughs> like, that's not helpful. That's, don't that's do that. That's true. And it's not helpful. And, and I think part of the issue that, the thing that makes it difficult is, look, when I went through it for the first time, and, and you as well, I know because you said you had it when you were a teenager, we didn't have the internet. So yeah. I, for the first, like, I had no idea what was going on. I could just Google. There was no Google. No. And I didn't know what it was. And you would think like, well, now you have the internet. You know, they can be educated. But the problem is anybody that can fog up a mirror can publish on the internet. So yes. what sounds right to you if you're 16 years old? Or honestly, if you're 56 years old, it doesn't matter. I'm having these crippling things where I feel like I'm out of my own body. My heart is racing. I think I'm dying. I'm going to go insane. It is terrifying. What sounds easier to you? Oh, I can just start taking more like fish oil and I can mm -hmm. get some essential oils and put them in a diffuser and I can like, you know, and I, and I can get some crystals or you could just let that fear come and effing kill you to learn that it, you don't have to be afraid. Which would you pick? 
I'm going to pick the crystals every time. And so the internet is full of crystals, but very little of real information that, that you would actually help you not solve the problem by making it go away. First learning not to be afraid of it, then it goes away. But it's a harder thing to do. It's more technical and it requires actual information, not just what you see on like, you know, holisticnews.com, which I'm sorry, there's a lot of bad information out there. And it <laughs> keeps people stuck for a very long time. I'm passionate about that. I'm going to shit all over that stuff. Sorry, can I? It's a family friendly podcast. You can swear. It's okay. all right. You yes, I'm going to. I'm going to shit all over that stuff day in and day out, and people will not follow me for that. But I'm not in this to be popular, so I don't have to make any money on this. So I'm just going to tell you what's real. No, I love that too. And when you're not in it to make money, like what's at stake then? You know, just the nothing. truth that nothing is at yeah. stake. And so you're just going to tell the truth. I think that's, uh, I think that's amazing. So you're kind of like, um, you're kind of like this secret anxiety man, you know, like. <laughs> yes, I'm very secretive. I'm so stealthy. You're like, a, you're like yeah. Batman, anxiety Batman. You know what I mean? Like, because you have a day job and you're pretty damn good at it and you're pretty connected and you're yeah. very astute. And then you have this amazing thing on the side, which is kind of starting to eclipse, I would imagine, the bread and butter. It's a little weird, except that it makes no money. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I could spend all day long on this particular topic, and I, and I love it. I do. I just love it. I, I love the people, and I just enjoy it. And, and it spreads, and people pay it forward, and it's so rewarding, but you also have to pay the bills, so... I'm telling it's, you what, I think I'm going to hook you up with uh, some marketers afterwards because if you've got a half a million followers and you've got sponsorship opportunities, paid opportunities. And I turn I them down all the time. You turn them down all the time? What's happening? That, what? What, what is life? Is, exactly. this life? is this real life? Let me tell you why I turn them down. This is such a fun time. I am so enjoying this, by the way, doing this. Oh, um, it's awesome. Yeah. I turn them down because the, one of the reasons, there's two reasons why people will listen to me. And they can listen to me or not listen to me. So if you're listening to this right now and you think I'm a crackpot and you really like your crystals, then Godspeed to you and I wish you all the best. But I resonate, <laughs> I resonate with a certain type of person. And they get, they get drawn into this sort of message and they start to make progress because they know, number one, I was them. Mm -hmm. And I'm really mm -hmm. transparent about that. And number two, I, I never allow the commercialization of the message. Now, I know that's stupid from a business standpoint. I am leaving money on the table, but not everything in life is about money. So believe me, I've had many, many companies want to, you know, hey, how about you like hawk our anxiety bracelets? Or mm. we wanna, they want to do supplement. I have a lot of supplement and herb companies. I've had the Thunder Blanket people. I've had all those people. It's like, well, I don't do that. Oh man, I tell you what, the weighted blanket people all day right, long, man. Blankets, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm no, sorry. but thunder blankets I think is actually kind of funny because the thunder shirts are for dogs. Thunder shirts for the so dogs. Oh my god, I've just <laughs> insulted like a hundred thousand people. I'm sorry. I was not. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? We just shoot from the hip. It's all yeah, good. It's all good. It's all good. Right. Yeah. You can always recover. But I'll tell you, like uh, maybe I pick on you know the weighted blanket thing. If a weighted blanket makes you feel good, then I am thrilled for you. Like yes. do it because it makes you feel good and happy and snuggly and secure. That's cool. But it right. does not fix anybody's anxiety. Sorry, it doesn't. No, like but I'll tell, tell you what it does do. It is like a workout in your sleep. Oh, God. So heavy, you, right? it's so heavy. And you're like, man, I just did reps. Or did I just pull a muscle? It's the craziest thing. Like this cannot be good for me. What is going? Hillary is jacked. Oh, she got a thunder blanket. She got she got a weighted blanket two weeks ago. She's ripped. <laughs> she does. She takes naps all the time, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, so good. So oh, good. you know what? A lot of that stuff is great. I have no problem with essential oils if it makes you feel good and makes you feel serene and connects you to your inner self and like it makes your life better. Then go for all of those things. I just hate when that stuff is held up as some sort of cure. It's this, well, this is not a cure. No, and it's um, it's a shield or it's a veil. It is, you know, or yeah. it's a, or what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a, it's a, a yeah, it's, it's a placebo a too. Yeah. You know, it's it's it, it's guarding you from what you actually need to address because until you can face to face with it, and a lot of times when we're talking about this anxiety monster, like I'm mm. in Stephen King's It, I'm face, yes. like facing yeah. Pennywise, like. Go ahead, I'll look into your deadlights, you dumbass clown. Like, I'll do it. 
Right. And, and it's interesting to see people get to that point when they start to go down this path and they start to get angry at it. Like, bring it. Like, go ahead, yes. bring it. Like, I'm done with you now. I'm tired of you. Yes. And they start to learn that there is no monster stalking them. Like, it pretty much comes from it inside them. Like, we make our own monster. I made my own monster. And I had to learn, like, I didn't have to slay a dragon. I had to learn that there was no dragon. There was like, no oh, dragon. You made it. And right. now, no, seriously, you made the dragon. So right. you, because you made the dragon, you have all the control. It's kind of like telling people that, you know, you're in control of your life. And so you're the person standing in the, in the way. So then they go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're taking away my victimization. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and I like that because, and I know some people are listening right now are like so pissed off. <laughs> yes. They're angry. I'm not trying to make you angry. No, but you have the power. So there, it can't, but it can't just be all sunshine and light when you say that. It can't be like, you have the power of Grayskull, and so that's great, and there's nothing bad about it. It's like, you have the power, so you accept all the responsibility. You accept the good, and you accept the bad of it. And the bad of it might be that you're in control of this monster that you created. Mm -hmm. So you get to then destroy it. Any way you want to, like, light it on fire, send it down a hill. Right, whatever it is. And in the end, like, I find a tremendous amount of power in that. And one of the things that sometimes mm -hmm. is frustrating about delivering this message is people who, like, I'm, I'm, try, I'm telling you that I believe that you can do this thing that I did. Yes. But they will hang on to, like, oh, no, I, you know, so one of the things we say all the time in my, my community that surrounds the podcast is, like, well, if you don't believe in yourself right now and your ability to do this hard thing, just borrow ours, we believe. Right. Like, oh so when you think you can, just know that Drew knows that you can and Hillary knows that you can. And like, just, just trust them, bar yes. our belief. And it, there's a lot of that. But people do hang on to, sometimes I get accused of like dehumanizing people. We're not just robots, you know? I'm like, I didn't say you're a robot. But there is a beauty and a comfort in the fact that our brains all work the same way. Yes, we are individuals. And yes, we have our own subtle nuances that make us wonderful. But in the end, we learn fear the same way that a dog does. I'm sorry, we do. And take mm. comfort in that mm -hmm. because we could take that mechanism that has driven you into a dark alley accidentally and throw it in reverse and back you out of the alley. Like, there's wonder in that mechanism if we use it the right way to get back out of the hole. So I don't understand why people are so angry about that. Like, you're yeah. taking away my spiritual nature. Like, well, you can still be spiritual, but you don't have to be afraid to go to the grocery store. I think, you, you know both. what, I, I think it has to do with identification. Who am I? It's, it's really, on, on the journey that I've been on, it's, a, it's been about as much as can I be the sick person? When my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, she said uh, something to me that struck with me, stuck with me for like since 2009, I believe, mm. 2007, somewhere in there. It was an odd year, let's put it that way, in many yeah. ways. And she said, you know, <clears throat> I can be many things. I can be a daughter. I can be a mother. I can be a wife. I can be a, can I be a cancer patient? So you have, you have this realization, or it's more like a burgeoning realization that, you know, can I go there and, and can I wrap my arms around it? And what does it mean to me? And then can I compartmentalize it in my life and live alongside it? Well, you get so used to being anxious, to being sick, to defining your life by limitations and all of these other things that then there are things at stake to detach from them. So what is at stake that you are afraid of losing? Even if it seems you're gaining something tremendous, you're, you're regaining health and mental wellness, there's something that is holding you back. That's true. And it's interesting to see people go down. We use the term recovery. I don't know how we started to use it, but we do. Mm -hmm. And um, people get down the road and they actually sometimes start to fear it. Yeah. Like, but, but what will I do now? Right. Because imagine like if you, if there's somebody following you around 24 seven and randomly at some random schedule, they smack you in the nose. Oh. Like you will live your entire life focused always on the next smack in the nose. When is it coming? How do I minimize it? How can I possibly make it not happen? So you right. don't know anything else. And when you take away the smack in the nose, all of a sudden, well, well now what do I do with myself? Well, yeah. And, and I, can I ever trust again that this person isn't just around the bush over there and they're going to ah. jump up and smack me in the nose? I, and, I would and like to address that because that's a big deal. Yeah. 
So here's the deal. When this thing that I talk about, again, I didn't invent, I'm just delivering the message. When you do it this way and you master this skill, you never get, you, you might get smacked in the nose, but you do not care if the guy is waiting to smack you in the nose. It never comes back. When I mean it never comes back, I mean the fear never comes back. So truly, and I say this, I am not lying here. I could have a swinging level 10 worst panic attack you could imagine right now. Mm-hmm. I would not care if it happens now or, or never happens again. It is the same thing to me. So what will never come back, the smack in the nose might happen, but I will never be afraid of it. And if it happens on Wednesday, I won't worry about it happening again on Thursday. That changes wow. everything. Wow. It changes everything. Imagine. And that's a big deal. I mean, just imagine that. You can't board an airplane, now you can. You can't leave your house, now mm-hmm. you can. You can't lock your doors, now you can. Mm-hmm. Just imagine the difference. That's, it, 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 almost, it almost feels like I'm afraid to hope that there might be hope. I get asked all the time, is re- and again, they use recovery. I get asked many times, is recovery just a, a dream? Is that yeah, real? They'll yeah. say like, do you really have like an actual life? They, they were afraid to believe it almost. And for somebody who's dealt with these issues for a long time and has been down the road of many different cures that none of which worked and some of which seemed really legit. Maybe you just had the wrong therapist for a long time. That happens too. They right. just feel like I've tried everything here. How could this work? But, but it is so like it sometimes is moving to the point of tears when you see somebody and, and you're in the group. I know you're busy, so you're not in it all the time, but on the daily, you will see somebody who says, Oh my God, I just drove my kid to school for the first time in four years. Yes. Or, Oh my God, I went to my daughter's concert. It's the first one I ever went to. And they are gushing and, and it will move you to tears. But, I've read it. I've read it. Um, somebody took a picture of going outside I'm going outside, I'm going for a walk, and I just was like, you don't even have a clue of the pain of other people until you actually take a minute and in in a safe environment, explore Mm -hmm. that. That's the other thing I love about your group is that, and you are a fierce defender. I know that you're a Nordic Viking god, so that's just a natural (laughs) thing that you do, you know? Wow. (laughs) Get second here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Open a window. What's going on? <laughs> With these but, sound effects, like horns and stuff. Anyway. Yeah, no, I, I know that you are. And so, and that's fine. And that you're otherworldly and all those things. But you're a fierce defender. And you yes. provide that safe environment for people. And that is amazing. Because it gives them a place to kind of quote unquote, confess what they've been holding inside and then it takes so much it takes so much faith that nobody's going to come after them and and make fun of them i mean it's just enough to type out the words and say this is my truth Mm -hmm. and then to sit back and wait for the onslaught but you don't allow that you well no no i mean uh, clearly because of the nature of the you know everybody is there sharing this topic so it's not like it's you're t- telling this to the general public but when somebody comes into the community and set is enabled to say guys i actually went and sat in my backyard for 5 minutes today just yeah. to the average person that sounds like an like who would be happy about that but right. in that community where everybody understands there's an outpouring of like oh my god that's amazing that's great but here's the thing i am most proud of more than anything else in terms of this group of people that have come together and I get to be a part of is that that this is awesome will be immediately followed by now go do it again. Mm. Like there are anxiety forums and websites and Facebook is full of anxiety forums, just Facebook. And I guarantee you, and this is not an advertisement because I don't get any money from this group, but I guarantee you mine looks different than every other one because you never see you got this it's okay, no one understands, no one's as strong as us. Those are all nice things to hear once in a long while. Mm-hmm. But this community is incredibly supportive without ever being enabling, ever. ever. Oh. I will not allow it. I didn't allow it when there was 10 people in it, and I don't allow it now that there's 3,500 people and like 10, 20 people new every day. I don't do it. That, it, that, it rooted 
And it, now the group sounds like me and it's freaking amazing. <laughs> I go away for three days and come back. It sounds like I never left. Like the group sounds like me and I love it. Not because I'm an egomaniac because they are helping each other and nobody's, yeah. nobody's enabling each other. There are no victims in that group. That codependency is so tricky too. And like I try to do strike the same balance as well, where it's a mix of like validation, but you need a kick in the ass at the same time. Right. So if you're afraid of whatever it is, for me it was flying, which was really freaking weird because I did find for years and years and years and I even when Deacon was in the service mm. would see him like every month and a half I would go down and fly and see him. We had a long distance relationship. Oh. And I was fine. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm going to make flying my new fear. I just like, I, <laughs> I, just, I was you're, like, <laughs> you're awesome. just a declaration one day. Attention everyone. Yes. <laughs> Act tongue, baby. <laughs> exactly. And so the best thing to do about that is fly a lot. Right. That's the right. best thing to do. You know? That's exactly right. And so it's a very similar thing. And I think what's, what I find so interesting about this topic is people look at things like anxiety, panic attacks, agoraphobia, monophobia, the fear of being left alone, like being home alone in the house. That's a real thing. So if you're listening and you're afraid to be home alone, you have monophobia. And guess what? A lot of people have it. So don't feel bad. But they look at those things as somehow special. But if somebody said, I don't know, I used to love dogs, and then the neighbor's dog bit me, and now I'm afraid of dogs, no one would think twice about that. They'd be like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Or right. I went to this restaurant, I got food poison, I'm never going back there again. Everybody right. would be like, yeah, don't go there again. And so the same <laughs> mechanism happens here. And, and people would say, like, well, if you really want to get back with dogs, you got to start petting the dog again. You know, you got to learn it's okay. So they would understand that, the simple phobia, like flying or being afraid of dogs. But when you apply the same exact thing to panic attacks and agoraphobia, it's like, oh, that's preposterous. Harumph, harumph. And I don't, <laughs> like, wait a minute. You all know the mechanism. You're okay with it with food poisoning. You're not okay with it with panic attacks. It's the same mechanism. But people feel like, well, you're, you're taking away all my, my stuff that comes with it. No, no, no. Like, put the stuff down. Like, fix the panic attack thing and then pick the stuff back up and work on it. Yeah, and pick that. the stuff back up. And I didn't, yeah, know what, to do that. I didn't know what monophobia was either. So... I'm glad that you got into that because I was going to, I had to make a note to um, remember. So I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Monophobia. It, it's, it's little discussed, but often experienced. So people who have panic disorder that it progresses to agoraphobia many, many times also develop monophobia. Oh. And the, the reason why is you're afraid to panic. So you're afraid to go places where you might panic or experience anxiety because you think you need to be saved. So you try not to make it happen. If you are home alone or left alone, who will save you from the, when the panic comes? That's what it is. Oh, I, I, I have the opposite almost. Well, I have <laughs> get the, out of the house. Leave me alone. <laughs> get, get, yeah, but like, I, seriously, let me look like a moron by myself. I don't, you know, I don't. Many want people to. have that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah many, it can go either way. Some people need to be around their safe people, and I'm sure people, if they're listening and they they understand what the term safe person means. Yes. Like they either need to be around their safe person or people, or they want to be completely left alone. Like, do, yes. don't come near me. Don't talk to me. Leave me alone until this is over. And that's either way. It's valid either way. But, 100%. Uh, yeah, wow. Yeah. What a super deep dive into talking yeah. about anxiety today. This was an outstanding, just completely informative conversation and really freaking hysterical also. So... <laughs> I just thank you so much for making the time and speaking to our listeners. And um, this is such a very special community. And I, I feel like we have a lot overlapping here. So I'm so excited to bring yeah. their words, to bring your words to them. Everybody is welcome. Come on down. Absolutely. We'll send some people your way. Most definitely. Thank yeah. you again, Drew. Should we tell them how to get there? We, we will in a minute. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I, oh, I, ye of little faith. I'm disappointed <laughs> in myself. I should have known better. <laughs> oh, you're all good. Like, <laughs> and any time, like, I don't want to squash you. So if you want to share it too, no, I mean, good. you know. No, no, no. You do all your good. thing. I enjoyed listening to it. You're good. Oh, good. It. All right. Yeah. So you can see why I was so excited to have Drew on the show. His unique deep dive into understanding anxiety. And I believe walking into it while fearing fear and doing it anyways is incredible. After learning how he approaches reducing anxiety and understanding, I, I really couldn't get him on the show fast enough for everybody. 
Drew has a very robust Facebook group that I mentioned earlier called Anxiety Recovery Forum. So make sure you head over to there. And then I'm also going to give you a different way to get in touch with him as well. If that anxiety is something that you've been suffering from all your life or it's situational and that does happen, head on over to the group. Even if you don't experience it, you can offer your support, but you can also receive the validation that you've been wanting. Just saying that's kind of what happened with my case. Just search Facebook and you'll find him there. Uh, make sure that you listen up to his podcast, The Anxious Truth. You've got a little snippet of how freaking funny he is here, how real he is. And I know that you will love that. It will help with your mental wellness. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you're a person who struggles with uh, your mental health, that this is what you need to do. I'm saying everybody needs to nurture their mental wellness. You can get in touch with him in all ways because, as I mentioned, he is like a hyper crazy train networking code writing maniac. Just head over to theanxioustruth.com slash links. It's that time again. The time when I ask you for a gift. I love our recent addition to Spotify. We are thrilled to be part of that platform and really any platform which we're now available on, SickBiz. Just search us on any platform where podcasts are to that. And please, 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 please. Well, you didn't think I could hit that note, did you? Please leave a review. Let, us know, <laughs> let us know what you thought of the show. In particular, if you had any guests that moved you, please let us know. We'd love to help you. We'd love to bring you more guests like that, help you increasingly shift your mindset, give you motivation, or even just the hope to go on one more day. We would love you even more if you left a review. And I think that's motivation enough. Also, I think that's pretty incredible because we love you so much already. Anyways, that's enough waxing nostalgic for one day and I didn't use that phrase correctly. But it's the end of the day, cut me a break. Love you. That's it for this week's episode. Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for listening. Be well.